Welcome, everybody. This is the Script to Screen podcast with your host, Ken Carey, where three decades of proven experience has launched products, built brands, and generated profits. These are the stories behind the businesses that have been built. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Thought Leader Thursday, Script to Screen's webinar series. My name is Ken Carey. I'm co-founder and executive creative director at Script to Screen. And uh, we have generated over $7 billion in sales for our clients in the direct-to-consumer channel and building other direct-to-consumer channels as well. So I'm really excited about my guest today. Now, Brent Lofke is an extremely accomplished director, over 30 years of experience and expertise. And he's won just about every directorial award you you can win. But what makes Brent unique is his creative angle, his writing, and also his execution. A lot of times a director has great execution, but they don't see it from the front end as a writer and um, putting it all together. So that's what makes Brent really special. And he's going to be a great guest today because we've worked on many direct-to-consumer campaigns. And we're going to talk about how a director looks at and attacks um, and executes a direct-to-consumer campaign. So Brent, first of all, after all that hoopla, thanks for joining me. I really appreciate it. Ken, it's a real pleasure to be here. Uh, I'm excited to share uh, what we've done and accomplished together with you. We have done a lot, haven't we? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, so I just want to get right into it. We literally just worked together on a direct-to-consumer campaign for one of the largest golf brands in the world and it was it was it went off really well the interesting thing was is that I'm somewhere else Brent was on set but we had worked it through together on how we were going to execute this so Brent the first question I have and it's a lot of the questions that I'm going to ask you are a lot of questions that we get from clients and people who will be listening to this webinar are going to be able to relate to this because they have those same kinds of questions because when there's lights and cameras and everything, it's showtime, everything's on your shoulders at that point. So my first question, and I hear a lot, is how, how do you as a director go about preparing yourself for a commercial shoot, whether it's one day, two days, three days? What is it that you go through to prepare yourself for that day to be as flawless as possible because as you know that one day many many thousands of dollars are on the line and you and I are responsible for it so how do you go about doing that well I I think think a lot of it starts with you uh, you plan for your end result so what I mean by that is clients often have needs right and those needs need to be fulfilled. And it's up to me from the creative side of things, which is where I kind of uh, work, to make sure that I achieve that final goal. So if you have the end game in mind, which includes even editing elements, like this shot will go with that shot, and then you kind of work backwards from the beginning. So I like to get everything organized. Uh, You plan a, a creative approach that you think is going to work best for this either creative or for what their needs are right so whatever that is is it a celebrity spokesperson is it something unexpected with a with a real person that that you kind of get a gut reaction from them Uh, whatever that is you plan to 
all the different elements on a creative side of, of the shoot would be from how is it going to look? How is the camera going to move within that? Uh, what is the wardrobe going to look like? What is the set going to look like? How is the lighting going to affect and the camera height going to affect what this messaging might be? So there's a lot of these little details that need to kind of be planned for right. and put together uh, kind of like going to war, they say, in a way, when you're making a film, but put together in a way that you can attack or accomplish this plan. And and then all of that has to fit into a schedule and a budget. So there's other things that I have to take into account. I can't just go out there and go crazy. I have to be responsible for, for other things as well. So you put all that together, you get it down on paper, you explain it to uh, all the parties that are interested especially your clients and make sure everyone's on the same page and then when you get there and you follow this plan you still wear dancing shoes because you never know something <laughs> might happen the sun suddenly peeks through a tree in a certain way or this person shows up that has something really interesting that we didn't know about that we want to get or or maybe <laughs> their kid hit him with a stick and they've got a big old bruise on their eyes so now let's shoot them in pro Working into there's the a million creative. different possibilities yeah so you got to be uh, willing to pivot and ready to pivot, but at the same time, you're looking for how to make the best visual and make what's being done and said in that visual as compelling as possible, and then make sure that it connects up to the next part, to the next part, because you're telling a story. If you're not telling a story, people aren't going to be interested. And that's really, you know, it's my job to keep people interested. Now, let's, let's back up a second, because when you talk about having the end in mind, um, you have been working on a very successful um, direct-to-consumer campaign for um, Nutrisystem for many, many years. And you work a lot with Marie Osmond. And we've worked together with Marie Osmond. So when you have a celebrity like Marie Osmond and you have a client like Nutrisystem, explain to me, give me an example, what's the end in mind that you have with that particular brand and that celebrity and how do you go about it? Yeah, well, that's that's a fun story in a way. Uh, the clients typically for Nutrisystem, they live and die by their messaging direct to consumer. That is their whole business model. So for them, numbers are everything. If your spots are not pulling numbers, then they're on to the next one, on to the next company, on to whatever, right? right. You're only as good as what have you done for me lately kind of a thing. So you, you have to make sure that every commercial that you do for them has some kind of motivation, call to action, some kind of element in it that's going to get people inspired to move in some direction, whether it be the call, go on the website, or at least start processing that I want to make a change in my life, right? And since it's such an emotional thing, losing weight, uh, there's there's that component as well. You know, I don't get emotional over a pressure washer, but I could get very emotional over losing weight because it's life-changing for me, right? Right. So those are the things that you want to uh, kind of get your head around. Marie's got kind of a unique voice. And I remember the very first time I wrote some spots for her where I'm sitting on this set and she goes, well, who wrote this? Because I don't think I would have said it that way. I've got a writer. So it was like, oh, man. I'm like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> but... Uh, after you know working with her, I said, "Okay, I think that's how she is." And then by now, I know her voice cold, which is a, which is a, a big plus. I know what she would, how she would want to say something, and what she would and wouldn't want to do to inspire others. Because that's really what she's about: mm -hmm. is empowering others. She's she's all about that. So if you can take her passion mm -hmm. and put it into the spot and let her be herself, she does her best selling uh, that way. Honestly, because she really 
had a life-changing experience herself. So you want to use what you have and then enhance that and then let them uh, empower your talent, your celebrities, to tell the message, to share the message, to be themselves as much as possible. And, and, and then, of course, you've got to craft some kind of a call to action so that people react and do things. So when you say that, I mean, that's pretty much in the script, right? Look at, look at it from a director standpoint and take okay. the writer hat off because that's one of the things that we do when we work together is I'm looking for specific content. You and I have already worked on the script or, or Barbie and I and you or whatever. And we need you to execute what's on paper on the screen. How is it when you say with the end in mind, what is it with her particularly that you utilize that philosophy? Well, the first thing I would do is I would meet with her in the morning before we'd shoot. And go. I'd go through what our plan is. And, and it's really my job to to make sure that she feels calm and understands that we are protecting her brand. Every celebrity has a brand. So when there's celebrities involved, they need to know that I'm not going to look bad. I'm not going to say something stupid. I'm not going to be selling something that I'm not behind. So I make sure that they understand that we're protecting their brand and we're going to make sure that they look great during the day. And, and as soon as you do that, then I haven't had a celebrity that I've worked with, yes, that, that wasn't ready to go and do what you needed to do. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's probably the first thing. The next thing is with the... Establishing, with the establishing that trust is really important. Right, right, right. And, and then, of course, following through with it so that you actually deliver what you told them is always a trick because sometimes clients throw stuff out that just, I would never say that, right? But you, you, you kind of get stuck in the middle sometimes with that. But the, the end game, to answer your question, is I want Marie, in that particular case, Nutrisystem, to look good, to be convincing. So it's really important in my mind that she's speaking to one person. Okay. You know, when I get up and talk to a classroom, it's a different message than when I'm talking to just one person. There's a little bit more of an intimacy. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, if you want to move the needle, there's got to be some enthusiasm to share is what I call it. Mm -hmm. uh, you got to have a passion, right? If you don't have that passion, people aren't going to pick up on that. So. It's all about getting and crafting that performance so that I feel confident that people will be moved in some way when they when they see what she just delivered on camera. And then the other side of it is understanding, okay, graphics need to go here to reinforce this message. I'm going to shoot, have some B-roll that goes over there. So uh, all these different pieces have to go in your mind of how the spot's going to come together so that you can, that needs to be a wide shot, that needs to be a close-up. This needs to be a camera that moves this way so that it connects to this other shot that I did that moves that way. So all these elements have to be considered and planned for so that you get that final result. So the spot works, looks good, all those things that everyone had read on the script, right? I got to deliver the script. When people hear commercials, Brent, you know it. They think lights, camera, big visions and all that kind of stuff. There's a place for that, but in direct-to-consumer, dispose that myth that you're here to get a performance you're here to tell a story and you have to put that together on a storyboard in your mind and your shots so explain that a little bit because i think one of the, the other it leads into another question is what's the most important performance attribute you could get from a talent that you want okay. as a director well certainly 
part of the process, as you plan it, as you mentioned, is is developing the script, taking the script and storyboarding that out so that everyone can kind of see my vision. It's one thing for me to say, I'm going to do a medium shot on her and it's going to move camera left, but they don't understand that unless right. they can see it. So storyboards are critical for making everyone, no matter what their level is in this business, understand the plan. Okay. They're also, uh, I personally love them posted on a big old board on the set and red pin them off as we go. That's very cathartic for me. But, um, but the real focus comes down to performance with the talent. And whether you've got 120 people on the set or you're holding the camera yourself and there's nobody else around, the trick or the goal, I should say, is you want authenticity. You want believability. You want to feel that kind of organic, real moment. Uh, me just sitting there spewing lines to try to sell you something is, is never going to work. I got to have a belief system that has to come through. If uh, if I'm doing a, a branded spot where we want to elevate the brand, we're not trying to necessarily sell anything. There usually needs to be an emotion or a laugh or something that makes you connect up to the brand. So in how some do you, way. how do you pull that out of the uh, the actor? You need to motivate them, right? So to get that out of the actor is it's kind of a secret sauce in a way because every person is different. If you're using celebrities that are in the business they kind of have it cold and there's a different language that you can speak to them because they understand real actors understand an acting language right celebrities that come from sports don't understand any of that so you have to treat them differently but still treat them like a celebrity mm -hmm. and then real people that have no experience in either in some ways i often find myself being a cheerleader almost to keep them going and how you're doing so good i find there's ne you should never ever at least in my opinion do a negative result unless you have a really good rapport with the talent and right. so uh you need to find what that is you got to be able to connect with the people with people understand the person mm -hmm. find out what it is that they respond to and then feed that back to them sometimes i can feed them a line that motivates the answer which is their line and that really helps even celebrities give me the line back like they're answering a question mm -hmm. and sometimes that works really well others other actors that are very well trained that would make them crazy if i ever did that or if i ever did a line read they'd be upset with me so you have to understand who you're working with and how to uh get them there i'm gonna i'm gonna do a little antidote here which i think you might get a kick out of so and we're, we were talking about nutrisystem this happens to be a nutrisystem project uh i'm gonna say maybe five years ago we had uh i want to say like 18 first time these people won this contest they lost the most weight and they got to be in a nutrisystem commercial they were going to meet marie da 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 they were all excited the first girl comes out we interview her and uh she talks about this story where she had had her baby didn't lose her pregnancy weight couldn't do it was struggling for six months goes to the park and some lady says oh so when are you expecting and she came home, she's crushed, she's a mess. It, it, was her, it was her trigger though, that got her to lose all the weight. And then the producer was an older guy on this job, who by the way is never coming back apparently, but <laughs> he overheard half this thing about being pregnant or whatever. And so when she walks off the set after we had this great interview, everything's looking good, she's the first one of the day, all these other girls are in the back green room waiting to go next. He goes, you're, you're expecting? She just, crumps, cries, runs back to the green room, sobbing, and every other testimonial back there goes, whoa, what is They're happening frightened. out there? 
They're killing people out there. I'm never going to go out there. So they're coming out to the set scared to death. I'm like, <laughs> so now I'm at ground zero, right? I got to get them over that, realize that it was not anything we had to do with. So there's always something that you got to be ready for. And, and you got to be able to find a way around a problem. I've had an actor before who couldn't, who was a trained actor, but for whatever reason, he couldn't get in three sentences. So I had to shoot the spot one sentence after t- at a time, try to get them into that zone that you need them in so that you get that organic, believable moment, that gym, right? Yeah. I think, I think what you're saying is, I want to break it down a little bit because I've seen you in action. And it's, if Brent has the ability to, doesn't matter who the person is in front of that camera, he has the ability to gain their trust. Once Brent, as a director, gains someone's trust, he knows how to get them to give the performance he's looking for because it goes back to the goal that you're trying to accomplish. Right. If it's right, that end goal. Yeah. If it's if it's um, you're really looking for authenticity in the spot, it's, you're, it's a total different conversation with that person, when uh, that actor or even that real person versus, you know, you know something that's like hype. It's a, they're they're all they're both good emotions, but there's a right. different way as a director, you have to recognize what you can pull out of each person, right? Right. And and for example, one of the spots that we did together uh was a digital campaign where it had a kind of a tongue-in-cheek even even the nugenic stuff that we do uh what was the shape the wall right the wall shaver stuff that we did both of those had a I, I, we could call it a cheesy element by design that kind of cutesy comedy that's just on the edge of that's silly almost but it it was planned and it was worked for and and i think we achieved it in, in both cases and that and that's always fulfilling because it's easy when you're walking that thin line to overdo it and then it doesn't work anymore, right? And I, and I thought what was clever about that, and I think the audience would be very interested in this, is that in direct-to-consumer advertising, you're always working off of what's the problem I'm going to solve? What's the problem this product or service is going to solve? And how right. do we make that come to life so somebody can understand it? And to Brent's point about wall... Every man knows that when they shave over or they trim their beard over a sink, it's a mess. It's a yard sale. Yeah. And it's, it's you know, the wife's not happy and it's not. So Brent had this idea of let's create this big sheet underneath it. And we over, we overacted the problem. It was kind of. You know, it was kind of tongue-in-cheek, but we were still making the point. We're saying, why would you do this when you have this other product that solves that, right? Right, that's, right, right. Yeah. You know, how do you groom your beard, right? How, that's a, When your beard's long, how do you, that's a problem for men. And Brent came up with this idea, well, let's take his beard and iron it on an ironing board. <laughs> it's oh, goofy, right. but men who with a beard understood it. So right. we were still able to, we were still able to, um, expose the problem, but what Brent did was gave that creativity and says, "Here, uh, uh, we're going to execute it like this." Because as a director, you have vision, and what came out was awesome, and and it still made the point, solved the problem, and we sold chambers. Yeah. The, you know, the yeah, other thing I want to talk about, I want to talk about um, because some people have made some comments in here, and they you said something earlier about storyboards. And you said you check off storyboards 
And um, so kind of a question we're getting from a lot of people is, can you explain that a little bit more and why that's important? You and I, you broke, you walked me through the entire storyboard for this commercial we shot for Les Mills. Talk about why an, a storyboard is important. Why is it a time saver, which is a money saver, but it gives you exactly what you're looking for. Well, uh, storyboards are a wonderful tool. Uh, it, we work in a visual medium. It's a creative medium. So, uh, but not everyone can visualize, right. and, and that's the reality. Is uh, and I, I am thankful every day that I have that ability. Um, and so, what I'm able to do is I work with the creative director. We come up with a plan that everyone kind of agrees on based on the script. So it's kind of our job to take the words on the page and turn them into a visual experience. So in some cases. I, I read lightly on the left hand of the script, as they say, where it has descriptions, and other times I read it more clearly, but, but I really try to imagine what would I envision goes visually with these words that I'm reading right here that this person is saying or the announcer might be saying. And so once we kind of agree on an approach, I'll work with a storyboard artist and we'll actually draw little frames. Uh, if you wanted an astronaut on a on a giant cheese roll riding in a wagon, that's you're not going to find that on the internet for to show a client. <laughs> so you've got to be able to uh, visually uh, show them what your plan of attack is, and it's helpful all across the board. It's not just great for clients because director of photography, uh, script people, even the even the lowly production assistants, Gets they can look at that picture and the they know train. what you're doing. Yes, yeah. And we all get on the same train, which is exactly what you said. I'm a fan of that uh, analogy because it is so critical. Because the, the moment somebody's not on that train, production stops or goes left or right, and your and time goes down the drain. Yeah. And and honestly, in the in the new world that we're living in, uh, you need to be more efficient than ever. Yep. Um, this is something I hear a lot, and it's really important from a director's perspective and an executive producer's perspective to answer this question because how many times have you heard, oh my gosh, there's so many people here, it's got to be a waste of money, there's so many people on set, and please, please, un please explain why that's important, and I want you to use an example for me, We I'm, and I'm with Les Mills. You've got lighting, you've got athletes, you've got the motion control machine, you've got audio, you've got background. Everything has to happen at the same time and reality is it shouldn't work. It, it shouldn't happen. <laughs> but you have all those people to do that. So explain why there's many people on the set and explain how you put that poetry in motion to get these amazing shots. Great. Well, I really appreciate you saying that. Uh, so that job had a lot of, you're right, had a lot of unique challenges. Uh, one of the creatives that uh, we kind of settled on was this concept of this person walks forward with this messaging, and there's two of them. So as they walk forward, the next person comes along. We had to go inside, outside, hallway. So we went to all these different places. So that alone requires a lot of bodies just to move the gear. The other thing about, of course, crew is they're very specialized so we had a as you mentioned a motion control rig I, I couldn't run that system personally and i'm 
pretty camera savvy. Uh, it's it's a very sophisticated piece of equipment that takes a person or two just to get it going and to understand how it how it works and operates. Uh, somebody who's in charge of making the set look just right in the background. This little color goes there and this little pillow goes over there. You're not going to get that from a grip. So all these different jobs that people have are fairly specialized and they obviously they've spent years and years honing that skill. So we kind of bring all these different elements together into one all working in concert. And that's really the beauty of this industry when that happens. And and the real joy is when it's a big crew and that happens, it's, it seems like a miracle. You're not kidding because there's so many moving parts to a, to uh, just even one setup. Yeah. And uh, the ability to communicate and, and everyone know what's going on is, is a key factor. We probably we, had, at any given time, there was 20 people on set to get one yeah. shot. Yeah, and easily. And I, I can... I can I have empathy to clients who see that and they go, oh my gosh, there goes my money. But the reality is, to Brent's point, when you're changing from one look to the next, the more people, the, the people, the specialized people that you have on the set, you're more efficient getting from point A to point B. It's If you can't get from point A to point B and, and be ready to shoot it at the highest quality, that's what costs you money. So, so, that, right. so actually, you're saving money, but it's hard to understand that. Well, you also just mentioned a word that I think is a really key, highest quality. What, what do you want people to assume your brand is? So I could get a, you know, my little phone out and, and shoot your brand with the sun behind it, and it would look pretty good. But what we're trying to do is we're trying to elevate your brand. So there's a lot of pieces that go into elevating brand. You want beautiful lighting. You want the set to look just right. You want the performances and the talent to be spot on. And in some cases, in this case, because it was a fitness piece, you want some sexiness, right? Mm -hmm. The camera's got to go zing and all of a sudden slow motion, right? We want this this little extra magic that goes in there. And, and I think a lot of people came together on that to add the creative to make it work. One of the things that's important about that to understand is in direct-to-consumer advertising, especially, not that any other advertising is that different, but especially in direct-to-consumer, if we can't get a potential customer's attention, we have no opportunity to sell anything. So that visual of speed ramping and the body going through there, that catches people's attention and then they stop. The fact that we've caught their attention, now we have a chance to sell them something. But if we don't right. catch their attention, it's a waste of time and money. Yeah, and the truth is you get three to five seconds right up front to do that. And then you got to, once you get their, their attention, then you've got to compel them and move them further along. So you have to start here and end there. It's, it's, yeah. uh, it's really I, quite I a challenge. You can't you slow, get their attention. slow boat it. You got to compel them to want to do something, and you got to motivate them to do it. And and you want the brand stuff to look great. Yeah, so that's what we we that, live by. That you know that sounds easy. It's very difficult. <laughs> um, there, you know, I, I want to. I always put out a poll question, and um, so the poll question to the audience is: How many people think Brent has been in? He put himself in one of his own commercials. And how many people think he's never done that? And for the people who think he has, how many has he done? So write your answer, bring your answer, 
And because I think it'd be kind of fun because I want to know that, Brent. Have you ever put yourself in a commercial? And if so, how many times? Or have you never done your own Alfred Hitchcock? Okay, so I've never put myself in a commercial by choice. Okay. But by, against my will, I think I've been in four different commercials. But guess who's been in more commercials at my household than I have by more than double? My dog. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Very famous, very famous dog. <laughs> From your point of view, and again, these are this webinar is going to people who want to learn something directorial, but also for right. clients who need to understand what they're walking into. So, so what from a director's point of view, um, what do clients need to be prepared for when they're coming to a shoot for their baby, their product, their Right? What do they need yeah. to prepare for? Well, unless the clients are super savvy in the business, they're generally overwhelmed. They walk in, they see all this stuff, and they're not sure what it all means. Uh, and as a director, it's critical to me to take them under my wing right off the bat, explain to them how the day is going to work now that they're seeing it. You know, it's one thing to talk about it on paper, but when that, all the, the moving parts are happening, it's really helpful for them to see the actual location and to have a walkthrough of how the day's gonna go. Then I like to make a point of letting them know that th this is how I like to work. I kind of have a vision, I have a plan, I go, go, go till I'm happy. And then I like to check with them and say, okay, now I've got what I think we need for you, but I want, is there something you would like additionally, or is there uh, you know, an alt or something we might get? And oftentimes they might have a word change that they wanna try. Uh, or other ideas, but um, I think it's important that they feel like they're part of the system, the the process, mm -hmm. and that they uh, have a say in it, and they're not just there getting bowled over for the day. Uh, it is their baby. They're, that's the reason I'm there is because of them. I, I think that's a great point, Brent, that I think that one of the most important things that a client should expect or be ready for in a shoot is that they, it's collaborative, let the director execute what we've all agreed upon, but then to be collaborative because you, the clients always know their product or service better than you. We're just getting up course on it. We're yeah. trying to do the best we can to, to highlight it. So it's, if you're, if you're not in a situation where it's collaborative, my recommendation, and I think from a director's recommendation is, that's not a good. That's not a. That's not a um, uh, recipe for success. No. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's you, you got you got to pull them along with you, but you also got to be able to uh, help them to understand what you're getting for them and how it's going to work because that just makes them more comfortable. And the, to me, the greatest compliment I can have is okay. Two o'clock, we're out of here. We're happy. You know, it's like that. When that happens, it doesn't happen often. But when it happens, I feel like I've I've achieved greatness in their mind, and it really makes my day. Honestly, they have trust. They've got given me the trust. Yeah, I think a collaborative from the get go with the client instills trust, and when you get to the set, you have trust, and everything goes smooth. When it yeah. when it becomes yeah. confrontational, or like you say, get bowled over, or I'm doing it this way. There's nothing, there's nothing good about it. So if you find yourself in that situation, end it, because the end is not gonna yeah. be pretty. No, and life's too short for that kind of drama. You're, yeah. We're here to help make their product. I'm not here to shine, you yeah. know, I'm here to help let them shine. Awesome. Hey Brent, so 
Another question that I get a lot, and I think it'd be really um, valuable for our audience, is when it comes to the final edit of shooting, of, of editing that commercial, how involved are you as a director? And is that something that you like? And what do you bring to the table? Uh, I, I love being involved in post whenever possible. Uh, the one thing that's kind of happened in the last... When you say, say post, for people who don't know what post oh, is. For editing, excuse me, the editing process. Thank you. Okay. Um, the one thing that's probably happened in the last 10 years as a trend is is money is critical, right? So to have a director who's usually more expensive, they don't always get involved in the posts like we used to all the time. We used to have the director's cut on a commercial, but that's not as often. But... Um, I, but one thing I've always tried to volunteer is I'd love to at least do the director's cut, which allows me to kind of pick performances and put them in, in an order for the editor. I'm always excited to do that. Uh, and I always love when they send me, um, you know, versions along the way as the show evolves, which it is a process. Editing's not always just, you said this shot goes with that shot and that's how it's supposed to go. It, it, it becomes a process. Yeah. And, um, so I'm always appreciative when when they involve me in that, and I can give comments as as it as it narrows in. I think what's important about it for the audience to know is remember from the get go we talked about building this plan, building this storyboard, letting the director and the executive producer put together the right message, and letting the director put it on film, so or video or digital, whatever it is these days. But but if we've let that person in that long, it's an asset to have that director as part of the post-production because yeah. the vision started there anyways. Right. Yeah. I'm, I, like I said, I always love it when that, I get that chance to do that. It makes a difference, I think, on the show. And uh, it, it's, it's really fulfilling for me to see the final result, especially if it's kind of like, here is my vision and it's still there. Sometimes starts here and not, you know things change and oh we can't say that anymore. It's like well that was the that was the soul of the spot you know well, things happen. The, but um, the, we had we shot this commercial for TaylorMade yesterday, and Brent had a drone and he had a Phantom camera and all this fancy stuff, and <laughs> we have to sell a golf club, but Brent was very. Um, persistent on we've got to raise the brand we, we we had an opportunity together to bring this client into direct-to-consumer tailor-made right and Adams golf basically and you push for this you know not not get away from the sales but this this branded feel so so what are, what are, what is this commercial so Look in your crystal ball. You just got fresh off the shoot yesterday. What is they what are they gonna see after you explain it? <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Well, first of all, that particular uh, spot has to motivate people to sell clubs. So you'll notice in the performance that, that the people are very engaged and, and love the product and can't wait to share information the about testimony. it. So that's the testimonials and our host, our host as well. So all across the board, people are loving the product. I think there's going to be this really positive vibe and this great energy that the spot's going to have. And we've got a pro and a host that's very golf savvy that kind of shares some of the weight back and forth. And so they're going to carry a lot of the meat and potatoes of the message. But we also took the time to, like you mentioned, to shoot drone and, and phantom stuff, things where the club was going to go like super fast and then really slow and the head 
of the club comes right into the camera, you know. And, and why so, why did you do that? Why did you sh decide to do that? Because we have some very important features on this product that you decided visually right. you had to accentuate that to make that point. Tell me why you decided to do what you did. Okay, well, first of all, you're right. The the head on this club is very unique, and they've done some real amazing engineering to get. Uh, almost any golfer to have success with this club and i, I won't go into all, all the specifics but you know the right. club face is 14 inch 14 percent greater and it's got a low center of gravity gravity etc so i want to see that as a viewer so i try to always put myself in the viewer's mindset what is what why do i care how do i answer that question that's the first thing i tell myself is i'm a viewer why do i care why should i call you know whatever i'm not interested that's where i start in my mind so how do I overcome that objection? I'm sitting on the couch and I don't care. So where do I go from there? So first of all, first off, I want to have, in this case, we have this amazing golf course. Uh, the first shot as the sun came up, we're on this tee box, and then there's this, there's this beautiful kind of rugged valley, and then the fairway is off in the distance, and the sun's coming up, and it's sparkling rays of sunbeams off the head of the club, and you're just like, First of all, I want to go there and golf, right? So if I have any interest in all at golf at all, which is who I want for my viewer, if I don't care about golf, I don't care about them. In this particular case, it's all about the club. So I see that and immediately I've got an emotion in my mind, which is I want to go there. I want to golf there, right? Because it's it just looks perfect at that time of day. And then there's other other things because we have this pro who has this amazing swing and contact and so we see that and right at the point where i shank the ball he hits it perfect and it's slow motion and it's perfect and you see the ball collapse and then eject out of frame this is where a director like brent really helps and brings so much value to the shoot because I before Brent was involved, I knew exactly what the features were of this club. It had a trisole design, low center of gravity, 14% larger hitting area, and a right. velocity slot that would actually expand, and the ball would go off hotter, which would give you more distance. I know that's what this club does. So once I broke that down for Brent, that's where he took it and said, okay, let me accentuate that. If that's important, let me do my thing. So that's where Brent set up the shot. He, he chose the equipment. He gave himself the, the appropriate amount of time to really highlight those um, uh, features so the golfer can right. see the benefit and say, I, I, I want that. Right, and there's something to be said because the camera sees things in a very specific way, right? It's not just what I see with my eye. So uh, whether you're doing a power washer or an automobile, there's, there's a way that you want to, what we call lens it, or look at it mm -hmm. through the lens and allow it to shine. Camera lens can do wonders to help your uh, story and to get to the part that you really want them to see. It's, it's funny because with the camera lens sometimes, if your budget's only this big, you can frame up the set that you have, which is only this big. If I widened one inch, you'd see that you, I don't have any more set, right? But you're able to find a way to make the whatever your budget is look the best you can, and the lens does wonders for that. Um, there's, th I'm going to end this with this last question because there's a okay. question from the audience, and I think it's a great question. I want to bring it up, and Olivia asks, 
She says, my company is looking at commercials, but we're also on a budget. What things can be done to trim down on costs, but not lose quality? No director? Oh, wait, I didn't say that, did I? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, the, the biggest cost for a production is, is the body count and the equipment and where you end up shooting it. So if you're shooting in a stadium, it might cost you $25,000 just to rent the stadium for the day. Uh, so what you need to do is you need to gear and plan accordingly based on your budget. So if I know I only have $20,000, let's say, for example, on a commercial, um, I'm going to need a smaller crew. I'm going to need more efficient lights, maybe a camera that sees really well and doesn't need to be quite as high of in, but it's beautiful for broadcast still. So there's decisions that you make. And I don't want to say it's compromise. It's, it's being smart with the money and doing what's right for the client and the situation and the budget and uh, i think you just you approach it i often ask the client how much do we have to spend i I don't care what your budget is i just want to get my head in the right space so i'm not planning for you know giant techno cranes when we don't have that Uh, so you creatively work around that and make it creative by design let's say there's a spokesperson and we want this person at a home okay and we just want to see that it's you know a little glimpse of a house. Not not important how big the house is, or we just that person's in a home. Okay. Um, what I would say to Olivia is that okay, here's a way to cut costs um, on a, on a tight budget. Don't go to a house because a house has a location fee and it has moving a lot of people to a certain place. You right. might be able to create a hallway, if it uh, looks of a house, by a couple of fake flats and let the director keep it really tight on the talent. For all intents and purposes, if you were at home, it looks like a house, but you just didn't spend $15,000 to be at a house because it's not just the house, it's everything around it, right? So yeah. you, can build, you can build a more efficient set to pull off the same request, right? Right. Is that one way? Right. Yeah, that is one way. And one of the things that you and I have actually done a couple of jobs together on, and I've had a a fair amount of experience in, is the virtual set world, which has gotten so much different than it used to be. We all think virtual set, oh my gosh, it's going to be a weatherman in front of a map, right? But that's not the case. Uh, I literally, with maybe one simple prop in the foreground out of focus, and my person on this virtual set, I can put almost any world back there and and Matt key it all up so that you literally cannot tell the difference. Um, and so there's ways to accomplish what you're trying to do that can be super efficient because if you walk onto the right virtual set, you have a very minimal crew, very minimal. And I would say, and I'd add another thing. So first, first suggestion for Olivia is that you don't always have to be in a practical location. You can simulate a practical right. location for less money. Brent, uh, and and the, the epitome, not the epitome, but I'd say the pinnacle of that is a virtual set that Brent suggests where technology is really caught up. So, Olivia, if you're on a tight budget and you want to shoot that in this amazing location, consider a virtual set. That might save you some yeah. money. And the other thing yeah. I would say is this is where you can save money, but it doesn't look like it from the get-go. And you'll, you'll chuckle at this, but... 
<laughs> do not chintz on amateur talent because that will end up costing you. So you'll end up, you'll probably pay a little bit more up front, but you will save on the back end. Do you, do you subscribe to that? A hundred percent. It's it's so critical that you, what's happening on the screen be real. Anything less than believable and real is a bust. And if you, if you remember one thing, we talk about looking toward the end result first, right? What is your brand? What does your brand need to represent? How do consumers need to perceive it? And what's it worth to you? You know, if you're going to spend 200 grand on uh, Airbuy, you you don't want to make the mistake of making that spot not support your brand or elevate your brand in some way. That that's wasted money. Right. So it's you, you got to keep in mind what is your brand worth? What does your brand need to look like? That's that's so important. And I'm, and I'm going to add to that because it's what is your elevating your brand? What does it look like? What do you want your audience to see? But at the same time, because you know, uh, budgets are just not that they're less. They're just there's just there's just more accountability, right? Right. So you have to elevate your brand, but you also you also have to sell. And if you have the right director and the right company and the right team, you can do both. It's very possible. I mean, Brent and I and my wife and our company, we've worked on ten, a lot. over a hundred of the biggest brands in the world, selling a product on television, selling it on digital, selling it on social, but we elevated the brand. And, right. they, and, and, and on numerous occasions, they were kind of blown away, like, oh my gosh, this looks amazing, and we're selling product, and we're making money on the front end, like, this is crazy, the whole new world, and that's direct-to-consumer. Yeah. yeah, and the way the world's going now, people judge your brand on video. That's how they do it. Yep, yep, absolutely. I mean, at, at if you don't have it, you gotta get it. If it's not good, it better be better. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's television, there's OTT, there's connected, there's digital, there's social, the bottom line is that video drives everything. That's why YouTube is the large, second largest search engine. That's why it's owned by Google and everybody else is trying to play catch up. So, you know, you ha your brand has to be, uh, look good everywhere because people make decisions based on, it, based on what it, the emotion they got, the quality they saw, and that's right. from a great script, but it also comes from execution from a great director. Execution, right. Yeah, yeah. Execution's key. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really appreciate the time, Brent. Thank you. I know you had a late one yesterday. and uh, <laughs> But, you know, that's what we do together, right? Right, right. Um, thank you very much. If they're interested in you as a director, how would, how would, he, how would somebody find you? How would they connect with you um, if they're interested in Brent Lofke as a director. Well, Ken, thank you so much for having me today. It's, it's, it was a great experience. If, if anyone does want to find out more about me, the easiest way to do it is to go to uh, mylastname.com, which is Lofke, L-O-E-F-K-E, L-O-E-F-K-E.com. And that's my website, and there's contact information in there, and away you go. I can just tell you, um, if you're thinking about creating a direct-to-consumer campaign and elevating your brand 
you want to be thinking about a great director, and uh, I highly, highly recommend Brent Lofke. Thanks, Ken. It's been a real pleasure. Appreciate that.